Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode we're going to focus on Germany, one of the great wine producing countries of Europe, and in particular we're going to look at the grape varieties of Germany. Because Germany is quite different from neighbouring France, in that the wines are usually single varietal, and the variety will be actually be on the label. So you will see Riesling, or Silvana, or Spätburgunder on the label. And so learning about the varieties gives an insight into the different styles of wine that are made in Germany. Germany is also different from France in that the classification system has a very different focus. In France it's all about place. Where does the wine come from? The region, the village, the vineyard. In Germany the question is how ripe were the grapes when they were picked? And that's because Germany has a cool continental climate and getting the grapes fully ripe can be difficult. And so there is an association between the ripeness of the grapes and the quality of the wine. So just before we delve into the different grape varieties, let's look at the classification system of Germany, which, because it's different from France, can seem a bit daunting, also those really long words, but it really gives you an idea of what the wine is going to taste like. 95% of German wine is under the Kalitätswein um, category, and Kalitätswein means quality wine, and these wines must uh, go through a tasting and the grapes must have reached a certain level of ripeness when they were picked, and that can refer to a lot of different styles and levels of quality, but it should be good at the very least. And then we have Prädikatswein, and Prädikatswein means wine with designation, and this is where the categories get more specific, and this is all connected to the ripeness of the grapes. So the Prädikatswein are divided into uh, different categories, and it's really important to make the connection between the style and the ripeness of the grapes, and not the sweetness of the wine. There's two different things, as we'll see. So the first category is Cabinet, which literally means cabinet in English, and it comes from a term that Germans use for quality wine that could be aged, it could be put in the cabinet. That's kind of its historic meaning. But cabinet refers to grapes which are picked when they're fully ripe, they're healthy, in standard conditions. And these produce delicate, elegant wines with high acidity, green, citrus fruit aromas, and um, lower levels of alcohol. The next level is Spätleser, and Spätleser means late harvest. So the grapes are picked later, they've got more sugar in them, and um, they might be a little bit dried, and so um, there's more concentrated flavours because of more sugar, so there's fuller body to the wine, with citrus stone fruit aromas. And then there's Auschleser, which means out of the harvest, and so these grapes are beginning to dry and shrivel, maybe even a little bit of botrytis, depending on the vintage. And so the sugar is much more concentrated, and this will produce wines which are more powerful and fuller bodied, with stone, maybe even tropical fruit aromas. But these different categories do not refer to how sweet the wine is, it's simply how ripe the grapes are. So a cabinet might be medium sweet and an Auschleser dry. So how do you tell the difference? What is the sweetness going to be? Well look at the alcohol on the label. If the alcohol is low, the wine is going to be sweeter because the sugar has not been fermented to dryness. If the alcohol is higher, then the wine is likely to be dry because the sugar has been fermented to dryness. So if you see a cabinet which is 9% alcohol, it's likely to be medium sweet. If you see a cabinet which is 12.5% alcohol, it's likely to be dry. If you see an Auschleser which is 8% alcohol, it's going to be medium sweet. If you see an Auschleser which is 14% alcohol, it's going to be dry. Very rare to see that style, but it is possible. So just think about how ripe the grapes were picked, not how sweet the wine is, in that kind of thinking about those categories. 
And then we go into the other cat categories of predicates, fine. Berenauschleser means grapes picked out of the harvest, and these grapes are going to be dried and shriveled, probably have some botrytis as well, and the sugar is extremely concentrated. And here, it's impossible to ferment all the sugar into dryness, so the wines are always going to be sweet, and the alcohol is only going to be 6 to 8%. And so sweet, rich wines with uh, tropical fruit aromas and some botrytis aromas too. And then Trockenbeeren Auschleser. And this name can be confusing because it has the word trocken in it, and trocken means dry. But here, trocken is not referring to the wine, it's referring to the grapes. And so these are dry grapes out of the harvest. And so the grapes have botrytis, the mould has attacked the grapes and withdrawn the water from the grapes. The sugar is extremely concentrated, and the juice that comes out is uh, very sugary and very little water in it. And so not much wine can be made. And these wines will be lusciously sweet, expensive, and they're rare because um, all depends on the vintage whether botrytis has happened or not. And then there's one other style, ice vine, and this refers to um, grapes which were healthy when they were picked, so no botrytis, they're in good condition, but they were picked when the conditions were freezing, below freezing. And the grapes are picked at night, maybe in November, even December, where it's well below freezing. It has to be hand-picked, like Berenauschleser and Trockenberenauschleser. And the wine, again, is going to be lusciously sweet, because when the grapes are pressed, they're frozen, so there's no water, very little water, and the sugar comes out very syrupy, so lusciously sweet wines. So those are the different categories, and this can refer to any grape variety, but of course, most commonly we're going to think of Riesling with these categories because these are some of the greatest wines in Germany and some of the great wines of the world. So Riesling is now the most planted grape variety in Germany and the grape variety which is most associated with the country but it hasn't always been fashionable partly because it's a very difficult grape to grow. It buds late and it ripens later than most German grapes and in those cool conditions getting the grapes ripe can be very difficult. That of course is still associated with quality because if you do get the grapes ripe then you have fantastic wine. And so Riesling needs the suitable sites to ripen fully and it's often on the steep difficult stony south-facing slopes next to the river for the water effect and those stony slopes will also radiate the heat back onto the vines and help the ripening continue. And then you've got the maximum sun exposure from the slopes and also that water effect. But very difficult to farm because they're so steep and so stony. And so why is Riesling so good? Well, you've got that sun exposure, you've got the grapes getting ripe, you've got high acidity, especially from the cool climate, but it's naturally high for Riesling, and that high acidity balances whatever sweetness there is in the wine, and the greatest wines of Riesling traditionally have been sweet. It has distinct floral aromas, and it develops petrol aromas as it ages, and older Riesling is certainly very distinctive. And it's also suitable for a cool climate because it has hard wood, so it doesn't, um, doesn't, isn't affected by frost. The style of Riesling, um, in common with all German white wines, no oak. Alcohol is going to be lower, especially when it's sweet. And sometimes the low alcohol is not fashionable. People like their wines to be fuller bodied and richer and dry. But there is a lot of dry Riesling now made, which is extremely high quality. So Riesling is grown all around the country. It's about 21% of plantings. And we'll just briefly look at the regions. In the next episode, we'll uh, look in the regions more detail. But some of the regions most associated with Riesling are Mosul, which uh, has 25% of all Riesling planted in the country. And these are south-facing slopes, very steep with 30% gradients. And they have slate soils, which can be blue and red coloured. And these slate soils radiate the heat. Um, often these slopes are 200 metres high. So you've got that 
combination of cool continental climate and the sun exposure. And this produces some of the most delicate Rieslings in Germany because it's the coolest climate. And it's usually a cabinet-style Riesling. That's what it's most associated with. And then further to the south is Naha, and a quarter of plantings in Naha are of Riesling, and these wines are getting more famous, and the best producers are focusing on Riesling. And then there's Rheingau, and 78% of Rheingau is Riesling, uh, has low yields for the quality. Um, Riesling can actually produce high yields of 60 to 70 hectolitres per hectare, which is quite high, but the lower the yields, the higher the quality. And Rheingau is famous for its noble rot wines, the Trockenbeerenauschlaser style, although more dry wines are made these days. Really high quality all, all around. Then Faltz, 20% uh, of plantings in Faltz are of Riesling, and this is where more of the drier styles are produced with higher alcohol because it's a little bit warmer, not far from Alsace, and more similar in style. And then Rheinhessen doesn't have as much Riesling, but it is um, good with citrus, peach, and smoked meat aromas. So we'll look at those regions in more detail in the next episode, but that just gives you an, an idea of where Riesling is planted. So what about the other grape varieties in Germany? Well, Müller-Thurgau used to be the most planted grape, but plantings have fallen. It's now number two. And it's a very controversial grape. Because Riesling is difficult to ripen fully in Germany, it's hard for the growers to work with, and growers who just simply want to make some money, sell their grapes, don't really like working with Riesling. So historically, German scientists have tried to create grapes which are similar to Riesling, but ripen earlier. And Müller-Thurgau is an example of this. It was developed in 1882 by one Dr. Hermann Müller from the village of Thurgau in Switzerland. So that's why it's called Müller-Thurgau. And it's a crossing of Riesling and an obscure grape called Madeleine Royale. He thought he was crossing Riesling with Silvana, which is a much higher quality grape. But uh, Riesling and Madeleine Royale was what he was working with. And this uh, came to the fore after the Second World War with German reconstruction. And growers needed an easy grape to work with because they had little money and really needed to rebuild the German wine industry quickly. And Müller-Thurgau ripens earlier, and so it worked for them and it became the most widely planted grape in Germany, and really dominated perceptions of German wine in the 1970s and 1980s, with wines like Blue Nun, Black Tower, which were very fashionable, also Liefrau milk as well, and very fashionable in those 70s and 80s, but very quickly became unfashionable, and German wines suffered as a result, because these wines are simple, they're uh, cloyingly sweet, because the acidity of Müller-Thurgau is not as high as Riesling, and they were simply sweetened by adding Circe Reserva, which is unfermented grape juice, rather than getting the ripeness from the grapes, because it's earlier ripening, Müller-Thurgau doesn't get as much sugar, so not as high quality. And that hurt the German wine industry badly, and it also dom dominated people's perceptions of Riesling, because they thought that these wines were made from Riesling. They weren't. They were mostly made from Müller-Thurgau. So the last 20 years, German wine has really tried to uh, recalibrate people's perceptions of Germany by planting more Riesling, by making more quality wine. But still, it's not quite as fashionable as it should be, which is good for us consumers, because it means the wines aren't, ex aren't as expensive as they should be. So other grape varieties planted in Germany, Silvana, which is most important in Franken. It's the second most planted grape in Franken, but this is where the highest quality Silvana is planted. Clay limestone soils limit yields and produce the best Silvana, because Silvana is a high yielding grape and you need those lower yields to get quality. And the best wines are full-bodied and earthy with cabbage aromas and with higher acidity as well from those um, more difficult soils. Um, and it is an early budding, so frost can be an issue. What Silvana is most is associated with is Boxbeutel, the bottle that it is sold in, which is a circular bottle, very uh, distinctive. Um, then we have Kerner, which is another crossing. 
but it's much, much more successful than Muller Thurgau, and it was first released in 1969. And unusually, this is a crossing of Riesling and Trollinger, and Trollinger is actually a black grape. And it tastes quite like Riesling, it has high acidity, and it's also frost-resistant, which is good because it buds late, and it ripens later than Muller Thurgau, so it gets more body, but retains its acidity, and so produces pretty decent wines, and it's best also in Franken. And then we have uh, black grapes. Um, and these are getting more important in Germany because local consumers want to drink red wine and the domestic market is very important. And so there's a couple of black grapes which uh, work in Germany. Spätburgunder is Pinot Noir. And this is increasingly popular. And um, a third of German wine is now red. So we think of German wine as being white, and the majority is, but more and more of it is getting red. And the Pinot Noir here is deeper coloured, with uh, higher alcohol and more structure than it used to, with more oak. So producers have taken it much more seriously than they used to. And the quality is, is really high. The best regions are R, unusually because this is the most northerly region in Germany, and the slopes are very important here. These wines actually used to have some sweetness to them, but now they're dry, made with oak, and with low yields. And then in the Rheingau is a very famous village called Asmanshausen, which produces high-quality Spätburgunder. And then also Baden. Baden is the most southerly of Germany's regions, and therefore the warmest, and 40% of these wines are red, so a greater concentration of red wine production in Baden, producing fuller-bodied red wines. Another um, important black grape is Dornfelder, another crossing from the 1950s, and this has a deeper colour. And again, that's very important because when people look at red wine, they want to see a deeper colour. It suggests more richness and more, and more body. It has acidity. It can be aged in oak, and it's quite floral. So more serious examples would be aged in oak. But generally, Dornfelder looks and tastes quite like um, Beaujolais. And it's easier to work with than Spätburgunder. It has higher yields, and the stalks are stronger, and it's resistance to rot. And the two major regions for Dornfelder are Rheinhessen and Pfalz. And then to finish with, two other white grapes connected to Spätburgunder, Grauburgunder and Weissburgunder. So if you see Burgunder on a German wine label, you know it's connected to the Pinot family. Spätburgunder is Pinot Noir, Grauburgunder is Pinot Gris, or Pinot Grigio in Italy, and Weissburgunder is Pinot Blanc. And these two grapes work in Naha and also in Baden, where it's warmer, producing fuller-bodied white wines, a bit richer than the traditional style of German white wine. So those are the German grape varieties and the classifications which you will find on the label. German wine labels can be quite daunting, but they have the grape variety on there, and they also tell you exactly how ripe the grapes were when they were picked. And they will also have the name of the village and possibly the vineyard where the grapes come from, if it's uh, site-specific. So that's German wines. We'll be looking at the German wine regions next. Thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. <laughs>